Hi, this is Tanya Valentine, author of Little Taco Truck, and you are listening to The Manifesto with Billy Brew. This is The Manifesto with Billy Brew, and I am Billy Brew. Good morning, and thank you for making my uh, show a part of your radio habit on Thursday mornings. We are listening, you're listening to us on The Real 1100 AM in Atlanta, Georgia. We're also streaming live at real1100.com. You can also download The Real 1100 app for your iPhone or Android. You can also uh, check us out on the uh, TuneIn Radio app. Also, there's more. Uh, if you've got the iHeartRadio app as well, you can uh, find us there as well. There's more. The Manifesto with Billy Brew has a Facebook page. It's got all great content about the show, all past shows and what have you. So that's a great uh, resource for everything Billy Brew. And finally, we are uh, all over the podcast platforms. We're on six of them. And among those, you can find Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. I want to say good morning to Greg, producer with No Equal. He is the man. He is awesome. He keeps me on the rails for sure. And this uh, episode of the Manifesto with Billy Brew is being brought to you by Habersham Home Solutions and Landscape. Spring is finally here. Spring into action with your friends at Habersham Home Solutions and Landscape. These guys can help you with a new landscape design and installation for your home. Landscape enhancements to complement your existing landscape. Design and installation of new spring flower beds. Installation of pine straw and nuggets. General yard cleanup available as well. Junk removal for that spring cleanup around your house. Handyman services available. Painting and so much more. So give these guys a call for your free estimate today 770-616-5979 770-616-5979 they cover all over metro atlanta so give these guys a call 770-616-5979 solutions for your home habersham home solutions and landscape thank you very much and um i am just thrilled to have this uh this person on my show again uh, this hour. This is her third time on the show, I believe, and she's one of my all-time favorite persons on this planet. Please welcome to the Manifesto with Billy Brew, Ann Butters. Hey, Billy. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, my beautiful friend. How are you? <laughs> you haven't seen me this morning, so I'm not that beautiful, but I'm doing okay, thanks. How are you? Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I woke up. That's- I have... All my muscles, all my bones, all my systems going, and I have a big old smile on my face. I just made it another day. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have that attitude every single morning you wake up? Oh, yeah. Is that something you had to kind of train your body to do or your mind to do rather? It's like you could have yesterday could have been one of the worst days of your life, but you wake up this Thursday morning going, all right, let's do this again. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. You know me, so you know a lot of the background, or, you know, that's what I call it, the background noise. It's the background noise. So um, I have what's called kundalini seizures. Every single night I lose consciousness. The minute my body is horizontal, um, there is something that's happening in my visceral body, and I go out. Now, I could sit here and I could spend an entire hour complaining and whining and moaning, but since I know I'm not part of the growth-resistant generation, um, I look at what comes from that. And what comes from that is all of these opportunities that I would not have otherwise perhaps taken the time to notice, to be one with, 
to synthesize with. And so, I mean, I'm fully cleared. That's what I get as a result of going out. So what, what are these? Yeah, it is interesting. What are these seizures you're talking about? And do you have them nightly? What are they called again? Um, well, you know, I've labeled them energetically okay. um, because I think it's just easier for me to palate versus give energy to a more Western traditional name. Okay. Um, but, you know, I got hit on the side of my head when I was a little girl at eight. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, so a lot of people don't know that. And um, then I had a death fall on that same spot in roughly 2010. And then I had a garage uh, shelf fall on the same side, exact same spot, almost like, hey, wake up, girl, be aware, we're going to make it really painful for you. It was like energy speaking to me. Oh, my goodness. And so, yeah, but I I don't focus on that aspect. I focus on the fact that as a result of it, I have clear intuitive, clear vision. I see intuitively. I have clear sense or clear salient, which is clear smelling. I smell intuitively. Which is both good and bad. Um, and, and you and I, we joke a lot you know, behind the scenes. So you, you smell clairvoyance. Is that like sniffing a dog and dog saying hello to you type thing? Or how do you know you're clairvoyant just by smell? Well, um, not so much how you've worded it. But um, <laughs> let me give you an example that's a little bit funnier. I'm clairgustant as well, which means I have clear tasting. So I walk my little dog, Nina, you know, pretty often through the neighborhood and at the beach, and she has she has um, developed a real penchant for um, cat poop, which <laughs> okay, which apparently has some uh, good bacteria that's good for um, you know a dog, and but yet I taste it, and so I've I've like laughed about how I'm going to knock on my next door neighbors and say, hey, listen, it's time to upgrade muffin to a vegan diet because I can taste that crap, <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, these are some of the benefits, and, you know, these are some of the humorous aspects of them as well. That is, that is, I'm not going to go there anymore with that conversation. But, <laughs> but, um, but and we talked earlier this morning, um, kind of doing our own little show prep. And, by the way, you're, still, you're down in South Florida, aren't you? I am. I live in uh, Broward County, which um, is uh, in southeastern Florida. I live about a mile and a half from the beach, and I am... Um, I live a pretty simple life down here. You're undoubtedly the youngest person there, I, I have a feeling. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I do have a kid, and she has friends, so they're a little younger. But these uh, <laughs> people today, everybody's in a rush to get old, and I'm in no rush to maintain my youth. So um, I'm just going to maintain it and jump in puddles and go barefooted and do all the things that brought me great joy when I was a little girl. Did, have you have you kind of progressed into and I I don't know what else what other term to use kind of a, a hippie vibe about you you said barefoot and I mean you know, <laughs> I mean I, I don't know what else to kind of call it or categorize yeah. it yeah yeah no I would call it more maybe an earther you know I um I believe in the connection of energy that we draw the energy to and from ourselves with Mother Earth and traditional people are wearing sold shoes. And so you're not able to have this energy exchange. It's not just that the energy of the ground and roots and everything and negative ions from sand and beach or mountains uh, provide us with energy, but it's also an opportunity for us to let go of energy that we're holding on to that we don't even know subconsciously that we're holding on to. You know, like somebody's honk. You don't even aware that you've held your shoulder up. 
and you're holding this. And so when you kind of take the time to create a time to do some cellular breathing and be very aware of how you're walking on earth, then you start to sort of, again, sympathize with oneness and, and not two-ness. Because there is no such thing. If we really live in harmony, there is no two. There is no one else. Does the earth itself physically give everybody on this planet energy? The earth itself has the opportunity to give everything that we need to survive, yes. Because all we need is breath. We really don't need a fancy car or fancy clothes or truly we don't even need an organic diet. We don't need anything. We need breath. And then the quality of the breath, in my opinion, and how I've been led in my journey is what determines. And the quality of the breath is in, is in direct exchange with our patterns. You know, if we're having a woe is me moment, which happens, Lord knows, you've been there for me when I've had pain and I had uh, my mind went off center. So I don't mind being, you know, I don't mind talking about my truth. Um, and so it's a temporary shutdown almost in the prefrontal cortex, which is part of the brain that generates the self. That's where the self can come offline. It's where there's no more nagging or badgering, or there's tremendous nagging and badgering. So it becomes a choice to find that center. But how does somebody who has for decades just complained and whined, oh, I got an achy whatever, and da-da-da, how do you change their mindset to – to where your mindset is. Well, you can't change anyone else. So you have to kind of let go of that false fallacy. It's an awesome thought, but it isn't applicable at all. Um, only thing that you are responsible for 100% is yourself. So if, say, for example, we have a kid that's not eating right, you have to look and see what you're eating. You have to see, are you fully nurturing yourself, not just with nutrition and high-voltage food, but what are you listening to? What is your inside belief system telling you? Who is that that's talking in your head? And listen to them and ask them if they can maybe change the tone. You understand? Yeah, I do. I do. Now, how, uh, your, your daughter, how old is she right now? My daughter is 16, wow. and I think at this age you have to add the half part. Okay. So she's like 16 and a half. 16 and 3-4, something like that. Gotcha. I, don't, I still count on my fingers, so I have super intelligence, but I also have just total <laughs> dumbness. <laughs> so, Yin-yang. So regarding your daughter, has she adopted some of your beliefs and your, you know, what, you, what you espouse, or is she still trying to find her way? Oh, well, we're all still trying to find our way. But here it's so interesting that you asked this question because – I had an energetic connection with you right before the show started, and what I wrote down was this. What am I teaching my daughter what not to do and change my pattern? Because you have to lead by an example. Just being a parent. Period. Yeah. Just period. Yeah. So, you know, like, for example, you know, when we were very young, we uh, collectively, not just me, not just you, but anybody that really is being true and authentic with themselves, we made dumb choices. We've hurt people. We have to take responsibility for the fact that we've had to develop the opportunity to identify our little narcissistic traits, shove those not necessarily to the side, but deal with them. See, what is it bringing up? Why am I acting this way? Why am I treating anyone in a not manner but if you're it's treating, only oneness yeah but if you're treating somebody poorly in your in your teen years that's just maybe immaturity and and you need to grow that you know what up is that something has something because who really has a, a spiritual center like you do at the age of 16 i sure didn't <laughs> no 
of course not. Yeah. But I will tell you this. You asked, has she developed? Recently, she had just gone on a trip um, locally at her school with some other people, and there was another parent driving, and apparently the other girls were being incredibly negative. And Riley, kind of sort of like I do, it's not that we shut down from negativity. We try to hear it. We try to hear what they're trying to say behind the words. Like, instead of it coming out like a vomitorium of the mouth, we hear, I'm hurting. I need help. I don't know how to ask for it. Is anybody else aligned with this giant fake nest? And can you jump on board with me, or can we redirect it? That's what she and I hear. Okay. It, so it, she, she gets to the location and texts the mother that says, I'm sorry that other kids didn't treat you properly, and it hurt me, and I'm so proud of how you handled it because you didn't react. And the mother was like, wow. Like, and that was the first time Riley's ever acknowledged actually doing something um, yeah. that supported a higher level of consciousness. So there's shifts going on. And yet, don't we all have that one moment? Oh, absolutely. And at that age, at, at 16 and a half, um, so, someone could have said, 999 positive things in that in that bus or whatever but one thing neg- negatively and everybody would concentrate on the negative thing that was said and not listen to the 999 that were great there's a reason for that it's actually science it's called phenomenon resonance and our cells do it and our mouths do it it jump on the bandwagon what is the most dominant and yet it is not easy walking the path of kindness and turning the other cheek. Don't get me wrong. I've had my fair share of allowing other people to give me great lessons on what not to do in the future, and yet I'm not going to tolerate any kind of negativity. I'm going to call it gently out, or I'm going to stand back, and I'm just going to examine their aura energy and see what's leaking, what is uh, showing me a gray area of discontent, of unjustified karma, and has this karma continued to create conscious consequences long past the duration of her, of the choice that they created this in the first place. Now you mentioned you mentioned karma. <laughs> <laughs> You've mentioned, yeah. You mentioned karma, and and I'm, I'm a believer in it. I don't know if some of our listeners are or or are not, but in your mind, is karma a real real thing? Um, okay, so the only thing that in my like research that I come up with is everything is energy. And karma is what people, including me, um, have assigned as a word, man-made, to assign to an energy. It doesn't matter if it's good karma or bad karma, um, to justify the ability to understand it in the logical mind. So it's a way to explain. But it's not necessary. It's not necessary. Maybe I've had a really rough month, and maybe it's it's a way that I'm thinking, you know, Oh, I'm having some bad, a bad karma that's kind of biting me in, right. the, in the butt. But is that just a what? Like you said, is it a way to justify the bad things that are kind of going uh, in our lives? But then when we you know, when we have a two hundred dollars scratch off ticket and things are going well to get that job promotion, does anybody think, oh man, that's great karma? Or 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 is is karma only thought of when it's bad? Well, um, no, that's an absolute no. Karma is the direct um, consequence of the, is of a thought. So karma is going to follow the belief system. That's why getting centered before you want to manifest is very important. I mean, you certainly don't want to grab a couple of Red Bulls on your way to the bar smoking a <laughs> stove, you know, and then say, oh, this is a really good time to clear my chakras and manifest because quite candidly, we've all done it. I've done it. 
And I, you know, and I got all the consequences associated with it. Now I do it from a clear state. There's really, this is the thing. There's lots of bells and whistles that people are going to try to sell people. There's healing centers and wellness centers and wellness devices and this and that and the other. And I have all that too. The reality is not everybody realizes that they have any worth anymore. That's what's happening. And so all of these things are so available right in your own home. If Instead of just laying down the next time someone lays down, lay down with awareness. Feel the muscles that are holding the body in that position. Just that little thing alone. Quiet the mind and then notice the mind. Like, notice what the thoughts are and then ask, as those thoughts are kind of coming, if there is an opportunity for an alternative, like, resolution in that now moment. And see if just for a moment there's just that possibility of hope. Just a little change of perception. No more nagging, no more stirring the pot. See if it's inside. Because if you're noticing negative people outside of you, it's still inside of you. And I had to learn that lesson myself. Have you, in, in your awakening and healing of all parts of your aura and body, mind, and soul and everything, have, have you gotten, uh, and I think it's t- typically with, with human nature, is like something really bad happens, something catastrophic, you kind of become a lot more humble and you kind of da-da-da. And then do you kind of, as things get better, you forget where you were at that low point? Well, um Okay, so that's one perception, but you are not just at a low point, but you are at a rebirth point. So as opposed to just energizing that sort of shame of breaking, because that's the lesson. You're supposed to break. You know, in, in, in some cases, marriages fail, and the only reason for that marriage to have come together was the conception of that specific child in that specific moment, and that is enough. And so we don't need to create all these stories of failure constantly. Yeah, I did a lot of trauma release. I mean, I had some head injuries. I had constant grand mal migraine seizures for years and years and years. And it became very painful. And I became very um, vocal um, with my pain. And I wasn't always aware of not doing harm to others while I was experiencing pain myself. That is probably one of the most challenging lessons is how can I get more gentle and that starts in inside I had to love myself like really brew love myself love myself we've talked about this yes I've, I've done chanting I do toning I do balance relax exercises for bedtime and balance energize exercises for morning nobody knows this I dance constantly. I shake. I do yoga. I do qigong, which is another thing that's great. Anything that gives us a chance, just that little willingness even, like I can't do it today, but I know I'm projecting that into my future from a clearer state and I'm looking forward to being able to harness the energy. Guess what? You start that energy right then. Healing is patience, so, isn't it? You got to be patient. Yeah. To you got to. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's a hundred percent, but it's really patient inside. I've gone to yoga classes when I was in so much pain that I would lay what they call corpse pose, which sounds sort of horrific, but when you really think of the privileged pose that it affords you to be in a corpse position while you're still alive, it's a rebirth right there in itself. But all I could do is stay there, and the guy kind of chastised me after class, like a nice participation. And all I could think is, I'm not going to allow his judgment of what I can do because I do what I can do when I can. Yeah. And it didn't penetrate me. All it did was just show that he hasn't 
healed. He hasn't found stillness. And I heal greatly from those experiences. You, you know, and in the healing process, it's how, how do you personally tune out all the noise? There is a lot of noise out there. Well, the first thing is um, there is a, a, an opportunity for people that can't find stillness. You can do something called super brain yoga, which is just taking your left hand over to your right ear, holding your earlobe with your thumb, and then crossing the other arm, and then just pulling on your earlobes while you do just gentle squats. That will actually clear your mind, and it works on um, uh, sort of energizing and activating the pineal gland, which is in the right brain. I know that's a lot of information. Yes. And but, <laughs> let, let but, us... I, but, I, but I can make myself available for anyone that has questions. But those are for people that are pacing, that they have to they sit down for one second, and then they have to stand back up. That's a great way to quiet the mind just enough so that you can sit down, lay down, go to sleep, whatever you need to do, and allow the thoughts, allow the sounds without ruminating, become very aware of them. It's the observance of the breath, the breath in it, around it, under it, part of it, that it's not separate, and why you're creating a story that it's a bad thing. How different These were... Are, yeah. No, I was just going to ask you, how different were you, how different of a person were you 10 to 15 years ago? Well, you know, I bought into the collective consciousness of, you know, gluttony, buying, having, needing. I didn't know what color shirt to get, so sometimes I would buy all the, you know, like six shirts. I couldn't figure out what color. I just wasn't thinking. I was very detached. I wasn't happy. That's key. Uh, I wasn't satisfied. That's key. And I wasn't flourishing mentally, physically, or spiritually. So all of these, in my opinion, are important. The issue is, is they traditionally revolve around money. And so I learned that I wanted to simplify. It was part of living sort of the um, yoga life is to try to do with less, try to become more self-sustaining. I started growing my own fruits and vegetables. Um, I gave up you know, meet a long time ago in my healing journey just to try to redirect energies that were trying to give me um, lupus and, and discomfort. I gave up flour and gave up sugar and gave up alcohol and gave up a lot of things. You know, the hardest, too, was um, soda and negative negativity. Those were the last two um, of of my really, really ugly addictions but if, um, to go. Oh, you mean your specific negativity, not the people around you? Because you can't control well, that, as you mentioned. Well, I can't control anything, but, or I should say, and yet I've been trained how to clear energy. Now, I can clear their aura, and yet it's still up to them to receive that energy clearing. They have to agree to release the discomfort so that they can find their way to comfort so they can get rid of the storytelling. I mean, how comfortable is it for them to always say something like, oh, my bad knee? Nobody has a bad knee. They have one that's probably healing, and then they have another one that probably gives them a little bit of a, a, a threshold of what feels better. And so by just saying those words, it's not going to get any better you got to do the work. Everybody's got to do their own work. How often are, do you take the time to listen to others, or do you are, are you really that self-sufficient in, in terms of your healing, or do you seek outside sources as, as far as people, uh, philosophies, or whatever? I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. but I mean, do Yeah, you... of course. 
course. Um, I am always a student, and I am always a teacher. Okay. And that will always be, once I realized, I mean, you know, I had to retrain my brain just to read. I wasn't able to read or write or speak coherently. I stuttered and slurred. Because, so, because of the head, head, injury, head, injury, head injury? Excuse me. Well, because of the active seizures. The ones yeah. that I experience now, I've learned to breathe. I do pranayata. It's a practice of breathing um, exercises. So there's somebody out there that has PTSD, breathing exercises. That's all you need. That's all you need. Is there anything medically can be done about your seizures or seizures? Or are you just trying to do it? internally with your brain and, and brain power, if you will. Right, because is that my story, and am I sticking with it? Well, I know that it's just <laughs> energy that's coagulating in the area of my head. Yeah, but it hurts. And so <laughs> It hurts. Oh, yeah, it hurts, and it hurts badly, and yeah. yet I never give up hope. I never give up hope. I meet people. I meet other energy healers. I met uh, some people that do some work down in Palm Beach at the Hippocrates Institute, and they can harness energy like I can. So we, you know, we exchanged recently just to see it. And and I could feel movement. Um, it's just I have not experienced a miraculous uh, flush that I try to do, you know, when, when my clients come. And I don't have a false expectation. I go completely detached from anything, and yet I always know I'm entitled to divine and perfect health, and so is everybody out there. No matter how dark of a time anybody's going through, um, that isn't real. It's temporary. And so those always, you know, that statement, don't make a permanent decision in a temporary mindset. That is a very valid, valid thing. I mean, we all... Every one of us have dark times, and it's okay to, to, to say it but not live in it. And so, you know, when um, one of my friends or I'm experiencing it, we traditionally will just simply text I love you or I-L-Y, and that is just a call for them to send that back. Don't do anything. Don't make a story out of it. It's just an energy of pure-heartedness. Like, that person really wants you to get better and is sending you such positive energies and you are saying I'm in receptive mode to it. That's what it means. Did you try when we're, did you try when conventional we're too proud. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, did you try conventional medicine when your when your seizures first started? It's like I mean you didn't really know as educated as you are now about what's going on. Did you try, you know, anything just conventionally? Sure. Yeah, there's a time space reality for Western medicine. Absolutely. Um then I did, and then um, I remember, you know, I was also taking care of my mom who was failing with dementia. I hadn't known what to do about it then either. I just knew that that's not how I wanted to go, and I was going to try to give her the greatest quality of life. And when the doctor said, everybody needs a friend with a pain pill, I looked at him square in the eyes, and I said, do you really believe this? And he said, yes, and I said, this is not for me. And so from that day forward, I started, you know, I had all the tests done, the MRI, the CAT scan, the tilt. I've, I've had it all. Um, there's no lesions. There's inflammation from a car accident. That's probably what cuts off the air supply. And so it's really just a matter of unwinding it myself with, of course, outside help. Peter Fox is the man that taught me how to do shamanic energy movement. He's in Sunrise, Florida. He's one of the most humble individuals I've ever met in my life. And I, tr I truly think he helped me save me. Interesting. Were you, were you your own worst enemy, as we probably well, all are? 
Oh, we all are, yeah. I mean, and I lived, like you said, I lived a traditional life. I spent 28 years in commercial either property management or real estate sales. And I loved it because I didn't know I was reading the client's energy back then and finding exactly what they needed. I didn't know that that's what I was doing and didn't realize it. Now I hone my gift, but I do it to help people heal because I want to see this humanity healthier, happier, satisfied, flourishing. So your closing rate as a, as a sales agent must have been astonishing. It was super fun, especially down in Florida, Bill, because, you know, down here it's such a lighthearted crowd. I mean, you're lucky if people, you know, wear shoes. And um, so I would always have my nice shoes, you know, the traditional professional shoes, and I'd have flip-flops. And I would always say to the client, I can change shoes, but it's not going to change the space. And they would say, go comfortable, and I would go comfortable. I, it was 100% sales from that p- position. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, uh, this would be a good stopping point. Um, we're talking with the fantastic Ann Butters here on the Manifesto with Billy Brewer. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and maybe Ann on the other side, we can talk about maybe some narcissism going on. All right, let's do it. All right, do let's it. do that. You're listening to the Manifesto with Billy Brew. We'll be right back. When you think of good barbecue, you think of the South. And when you think of the best barbecue in Atlanta, you think Das Barbecue. Their meats are slowly smoked with seasoned hickory and pecan wood. Choose from mouth-watering beef brisket, pulled pork, ribs, chicken wings, and other delicious slow-smoked meats. They offer an outstanding selection of side dishes like mac and cheese, cream corn, collard greens, and much, much more. Located in the heart of Atlanta at 1203 Collier Road, Das Barbecue is conveniently located for your barbecue fix. Having a party or big event? Das Barbecue can handle all of your catering needs as well. Visit their website at dasbarbecue.com. That's D-A-S-B-B-Q.com. Or give them a call at 404-850-7373. For the best barbecue you'll ever eat, it's got to be Das Barbecue. 1203 Collier Road in Atlanta, 404-850-7373. Or on the web at dasbarbecue.com. Straight out of the
back to the manifesto with Billy Brew. That is Rips and Tears by Payphone Poets. Oh, yeah, I had to get that last part in there. Um, there's going to be a lot more music from those guys, so uh, I will certainly keep you posted. Our very special guest this hour is the wonderful Ann Butters. And, Ann, before we went to break, we were going to maybe touch a little bit on narcissism. Now, when I was a kid, when, when you thought, oh, that guy or that person is a narcissist, they just like to look at themselves in the mirror. It's a lot more than that, isn't it? Yeah, uh, there are a lot of dimensions to it, um, of course, because we've allowed um, labels. But, yeah, it's sort of like the bully and the really most insecure person that you have ever met, just beyond um, any kind of uh, connected psycho-spiritual. There's just, there is just a, just, complete emptiness to their soul, and yet it is equally available for them to get connected in a nanosecond. It just comes down to choice. It's crazy. Yeah, but their choice is not to do that. And and high, you know, school bullies are really just some of the weaker people in the whole school. They are. They really are. I remember the school bully when I was growing up. I won't say his name. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably best. But when we were really little and we got so tired of him constantly pulling our hair, we were in grade school that when we turned around, we kind of both stuck our fists out like we were going to hit him, but he leaned in and it knocked his tooth out. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, true story. Yeah, I mean, and I, I guess these days with my kids in school, you can't really take action i mean i tell my boys if, uh-huh. if you don't start the hit but you know you're not going to take one either you and, and if they get in trouble at school well, that's block, fine yeah. you, you, you got to protect yourself and and i think they understand that but um excuse me <laughs> no i'm sorry <laughs> sorry i just got a little it's just funny we don't have the we didn't have the mental capacity to look at somebody who had been bullying you know, pulling my hair pulling my hair pulling it say What's happening at home? Why aren't you getting the love that you need? <laughs> What's right. going on with your mother and father? Your mother Could you look at them in the eye and say, this isn't nutritious. Could you make us something healthier? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm yeah. not a Pollyanna. I'm not ignorant. But it's true. And it's gotten to an even greater degree with the uh, social media because yeah, everybody yeah. is attempting to be the next best whatever they've created in their mind to be. And, you know, again, if our happiness, and our satisfaction and our flourishing is all relating to money. It is not real. So narcissism is just not real. It's not. No, it's and not. And yet, boy, is it. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's prevalent, but it's not a real thing. And how does someone who may not know exactly what we're understanding, what we're talking about, how does someone recognize uh, who a narcissist is? Well, the first thing I would say is, Traditionally, the person that's thinking that they've done everything wrong and that they don't have a right to live and that they're a doormat, those are likely the people that have allowed the narcissist to um, hijack their opinions and their guidance system. So traditionally, those are the more thought, uh, sweet empaths that are just now just beaten down to a pulp. And even if they wanted to make a change, they really wouldn't know how. And... Um, Traditionally, their partners, or they had a brother or a sister or a domineering mother, or maybe a passive-aggressive, pathetic, victimized mother, or a domineering, misogynistic, Archie Bunker-type father. I mean, there's a lot of different, you know, they come they come in friends. That's what we kind of said earlier. Like, I was a jackass when I was little. I didn't prioritize my friends. If I had a better opportunity, I took it, and I was a jerk. And... I lost friends 
because I didn't know how to value them then. And I've learned and, and I value that now. It's everything. And so, you know, we all have to learn what we have to get rid of and what we have to get clear with in our own self. But I'm absent of malice. You're absent of malice. We don't wake up in the morning and go, (laughs) That's like like wiping our hands and and twisting our mustaches. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Well, I don't know. Well, a lot Sometimes of people, I lot, do. It's the menopause thing. Oh, okay. That's a whole other story. <laughs> don't, don't, forget, don't forget to shave your back. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Dear God, that's an amazing thing. I should have on my website, your mustache needs to be thicker and fuller than mine. What, <laughs> and what, what people don't understand uh, is that uh, because you, especially the passive-aggressive people, they don't realize that they're enabling narcissistic behavior. They, really, well, yeah. they don't have a clue. Well, no, and, and a lot of times, you know, we, if you really look at the longevity of parents and our generation, a lot of our parents were depression mentality or maybe just the next generation, the baby boomers, and they were raised by depression mentality parents. So it was sort of do as you're told and not as you think. So there was already a, a, a disconnect at, you know, at a young age, like, you know, if your elbows happen to land on a table, you're not going to hell. I got news for parents that you're not going to go to hell. <laughs> yeah. So stop scaring kids with crap. Stop telling them that if they don't believe in this or that, that they're not just. Let them come up with what they feel, what they're made of, what their soul speak is, what their connection is, and let them figure out how to work on their karma and not become a narcissist and yeah. being told what to do. But when you're such an impressionable young age and you see your dad or your mom behaving a certain way, that's the only way you know how to act. So, so you'll take yeah. on those characteristics. It's like alcoholism can be a, a kind of a learned thing. Yes, there may be some her- heredity involved, but it's like, oh, well, yeah. you know, I, I remember as a kid going to, you know, I'd go to my aunt's house and it was just cocktails and everybody was drinking cocktails and smoking. And that's, that's all I knew, you know. That's it. Yeah, and that's what we're told is, is fun. Um, it's just a way to, um, to, to an- anesthetize and they're not having to deal with whatever is actually happening. That's how our parents' generation definitely handled it. And then our generation is so much excess. Our generation, I mean, like if the kids don't have this or that, then they're, it's all crap. So, you know, that's why I've, you know, really embraced a more simplistic lifestyle. Um, and yet, you know, I'm far from perfect. But narcissism, you know, it's rampant. It's, it's in Hollywood. It's in business. It's in politics. Uh, it's in... It could even be your next door neighbor. Exactly. It might even yeah. be, in my case, my diagonal neighbor. <laughs> but, um, it happens. And what they don't realize is that we are really are all in this together. We really are. We are reliant on a culture of everybody to participate in doing their best, your being truth. their best version, my best version. I advocate for my best being. I do my maintenance on being my best being. I do my maintenance on my vibrational atmosphere. Uh, you know, I'm very selective about sifting through that energy, and narcissists expect other people to do it for them. That's true, but, the, and, but they don't have an open mind, the narcissist. It's their way no, or the highway. it is. It is. It is a... Um, so how do, you punch, is, how do you punch through that to reach a narcissist? Well, okay, so there are, there are tricks that people can do at night. When they fall asleep, you could actually play music. You could play symphony music. You could, um, if they wear headphones, you could put binaural beats. 
um, something that will alter their uh, cellular input and receptivity because they're going to be in what's called um, an alpha state when they're asleep and possibly go into a deeper state where they can actually absorb these nutrients and they can't help but come back changed because they have traversed a different atmosphere just being in a transient state. But the ego... So those are little tricks. Yeah, Now, but... the egos are going to wake up the next morning and you cannot expect somebody, you know, I won't say any names, but you cannot expect somebody to go from being the most misogynistic prick in the whole wide world to being ready to dedicate every aspect of their being and go with a goat farm. I mean, you can't expect ridiculousness. In my mind, I like to create it. It's funny to me. But you just have to be very realistic because time and patience and breath work and being in control of your breath. And by control, it's not just the erratic breath. Like, noticing how long is it balanced. That's how you handle even being in the presence of a narcissist. You work on your inner well-being. You work on your breath. You can connect the tip of your tongue even to the roof of your mouth, and it'll help you ground even more when you're in their energy or even talking to them on the phone. Yeah, but their, but their ego won't allow it. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Have you ever broken through to a narcissist to, to have him come, him or her, to the other side, if you will, your side? Yeah, because I don't own them as being my narcissist. I see them as... We are not in duality, so there's not two. So I can actually see their God seed in them. What that means is I see every aspect. I see their storytelling, why they're sticking with it. I see their inner child, how their inner child wants healing but is so afraid. And I'm in a state of non-judgment. That's why I got trained after I did yoga teacher training. I got trained on how to harness energy shamanically. But, yeah, sometimes I go in there and I hijack them. I give them like a big fat red energetic punch to their nose. <laughs> Not really. Well, but I mean, I try to break it up. They All they have to do is, is make like almost like a, a, a contact somehow. They can call me out on something and I can sort of disarm them. It's one of my gifts. Kind of like a clear eloquence. That's that's it's a, like that, intuitive communication. Yeah, that's a good way to think. I like the way you said that because they're gonna they're always kind of they have their the burr up, their bristle. They're always ready for an exchange, and you just if you disarm them, then you kind of break down the wall, even minutely. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the gifts that I got. I mean, I didn't want to have to admit, gosh, I can do hypnotherapy. I can. I got that download. I got that gift of that clear eloquence. And so as a hypnotherapeutic divine channeler, if you will, I'm not talking for myself. I'll get into trance, and I'll actually have soul-to-soul language with them. And then the next thing you know that they're having a genuine release. It might come out in tears or sweat or, you know, maybe they get to a, a big realization like I got when I needed to get really, you know, clear with myself. We all have to get there, or we don't, and that's the other lesson. And that's a being choice. okay that's a choice. with somebody being a narcissist for the duration of this physical existence. But here's hope. You can cut the tie with them in this life if you knowingly want to have an end of a connection with that energy. How do you like that? I, you know, it, <laughs> I like it, and and I can hear in the background you're very multitasking. That's how good you are. You're all over the map. I can tell at your home. There. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's okay. I, I mean, seriously, if we have a relationship, say you have a relationship with a sister, not that your sister is because she's lovely, but you have a relationship with a sister, you have the same parents. You want to cut ties, 
and not have to have a relationship with her ever again in any capacity and just maintain the integrity of just being kind in this one. Yeah. But you can cut having anything to do with her in any type of future potential life. Your life now will get easier. I want to go back to you mentioned the materialistic part in this, uh, in this generation. How do you balance what you do in kind of a, a minimalist, less material stuff and being a mother of a 16-and-a-half-year-old daughter who, at that age, regardless of who you are, you love material stuff? Oh, she loves it. And, and she is blessed in that her father does provide for her. And um, in this case, what I did is I just started going. I've always had a privileged life because I've had – things that people didn't have. I mean, I was adopted at an early age, and so instead of focusing on abandon it, which could very much be in my energy, I focused on the fact that I was chosen. Yeah. <laughs> so I've always just sort of looked at things a little bit differently, and it's up to me if I want to feel victimized by it or if I want to feel energized by it. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't have a daughter, but I mean, what uh, does she have peer pressure from her friends saying, you know, I mean, well, I've got everything, and da 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 da, da and and maybe your daughter doesn't have as much either by choice or just by what, you know, y- your philosophy of, of less material stuff. I, I don't even know if that well, makes sense. Did that make sense? Yeah, probably not. It does. It makes really good sense because, <laughs> like, let's take for example, I, I know somebody. She's a brilliant young lady down here in Florida. Her name is Vivi Lou, and she has, I think, she's had six children, and and they are not wealthy. They struggle. And yet she raises them with incredible conscious awareness. And she even identifies an opportunity for everyone to be aware, like, hey, guys, don't say, quote, unquote, Santa brings your kid a car when another kid is getting a pencil. Like, how about that comes from mom and dad? And you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even talk about those kind of things with my kid because uh, I don't believe or subscribe to that whole Santa stuff, another story, but, you know, keep it things perspective. If you're choosing because of your hard effort and your efforting to honor your child in a way, do it without it having to be a trophy or an ego thing for you as well. Let it be unconditional. You know, you worked, you got it, and if you worked and it didn't happen, you're no any more of a dark end loser, trust me, because it is a struggle. I mean, it would be very easy for me to try to find another job and make the money and do what I used to do. And I've chosen to go into this realm of trying to help people in their awakening process. Cause if I didn't have somebody to reach to, I wouldn't have known what the heck was happening to me either. Yeah, absolutely. Now, aside from the love of a loyal dog, is there really unconditional love among human beings? Yeah. Well, it starts inside of you. And um, I know we've talked about this. It's mirror work. If you haven't pulled a mirror out and authentically spent 32 days telling yourself that you love yourself, that's where it starts. The first day, it seems like, oh, this is ridiculous. The second day seems even more. The third day, you're mad and won't even do it. The fourth day, you kind of do it. The fifth day, if you use a different accent or somebody else's voice, it's easier. By the end of it, you actually love yourself and you're crying because you're realizing that you've been creating all these bullcrap stories for so long. And then you start loving yourself. It's something that is necessary, as cheesy as it sounds. It's an amazing therapy and it's, it's pretty much readily available. Everybody's got a mirror. That's, well, that's true, and that kind of well, – so then could that be said about nar- – if, if you go in that direction, then someone else may say, well, you're just being narcissistic if you love yourself. Um, okay, 
the first well, part of the healing process is to not give a rat behind what anybody projects towards you. <laughs> all they're doing is projecting a vomitorium of the mouth with how they perceive themselves. Yeah. So, A, there's that. Um, B, if you are subscribing to the fact that what they've just said has any evidence of truth to it, then you're letting them steal your energy. Yeah. And so it starts with one belief, one little belief, and that little belief might tweak a muscle and let it go, and you get a little relief. And then that muscle might tweak, and you might get a little bit of an adjustment in your lower back because you're not slumping your shoulders so much, holding your heart inward because you're breaking or believing. I mean, look, I've cried a lot of tears, and I've screamed a lot of screams, and that's actually partially therapy as well. It's kind of like rage yoga. You know, sometimes we have to scream, yell, and sometimes we have to go to so much quiet, and it's in that space between the quiet and the scream Mm -hmm. that we all heal, and narcissists don't sit still long enough to do that. I suppose you're right. Yeah, absolutely. They have to and become I, incredibly exhausted in order for them to to get into a relaxed state because relaxation is they avoid that like the plague. And you, you're certainly uh, you talk a lot about energies and and stuff like that. I I don't know why this question popped in my head, but do you believe? and the ability to speak in tongues. And I know we're kind of balancing, uh, finding the line of religion here, but can is that a real thing in your mind, okay. in your mind only? All right. So for me, the, the yes, um, that's one label. It's called tongues. It's called light language. It's called glossolia. Um, a lot of people don't know that about me is I used to go with my mother when I was a little girl over to the O'Connor's house. And it was once a week, I believe, And it wasn't done at the Catholic Church. It was actually done at their home. And they did sort of like, you know, exorcisms and seances, and they spoke light language. And it infused me at a very early age. So whenever I'm in pain or I can connect with people on a full level, it comes out. And it can sound like gibberish to someone else, and then the other people know what it's saying, and they get great healing from it. Yeah, I'm a tremendous believer in it. It needs to be done at a a full state of purity. So, you know, you don't... You know, but you want to eat right, think right, and speak right, but yeah. That's true. But what about the skeptics who may say, okay, well then, how can Preacher Jones, he can uh, speak in tongues every Sunday at 10 o'clock? You know, it sounds like it's it's part of the the uh, agenda, if you will, and it's not such a, uh, a spontaneous, I've been overcome type thing. It's like it's very, it's part of the act, if you will. I'm just talking about skeptics well, out there. Well, sure, there might very well be, and probably likely are, a lot of uh, frauds, and, um, and and there's ways to identify who they are, um, and yet, um, you know, I don't know that person to be able to say, or if that's even a real legitimate person, um, but there are some that are really good, and here's, um, gosh, the people that are really exploiting it and making an inordinate amount of money, um, it um, might want to step outside of that and identify what this is going to do for their um, for their karma going forward. Because yeah. if you're just amassing wealth off of people that are asking for guidance on how to at least step in that realm, it's it's exploitive. So, you know, I think yeah. that there's mindfulness uh, that is. You know, I don't blame anybody for any mistakes that I've made. No, no one. They're all mine. I own all of them. There's what, no finger pointing. Absolutely, None. absolutely. What None. was this is kind of an off the ball, off the wall question. What was the 
most um, a spiritually overwhelming thing that happened to you in the month of April? Last month, I experienced two solid weeks of seizures. Wow. And, um, yeah, and I, I was walking out my front door to go up north to work on someone, a uh, healer, and I walked out my front door and everything became a hologram. Like, the trees were holographic. There were two men across the way at the narcissist's house, um, <laughs> um, black, black topping his um, driveway. And I didn't see the person. I just saw the energy moving. And so I knew that something massive was happening because um, that traditionally doesn't happen when I'm upright. Um, oh. And so I would say that was pretty profound. No uh, doubt. Two weeks. That's and, insane. Well, it didn't, it, like, it happened, and then I, I, I was able to kind of correct for a couple of days and just, I have to know how to go into complete stillness. Yeah, I get, I go from zero to a thousand degrees, like, in a nanosecond. And so it, it, it's not, it's, it, it can be scary, and yet I have enough friends to say, hey, I'm a little scared, and then they send me positive energy, and it transmutes that, and I feel much better. And I just surrender to it, and I go out, and I'm blessed. One, that's awesome. One final thing. How can people reach you if they want to have, have more questions about what you do in, in your healing? Well, there's a couple of different ways. I do have a website, even though it's not hugely active right now. It's spread, B-R-E-A-D, and A-N-N-E, Butters, B-U-T-T-E-R-S, uh, .com. Or you can reach me on Facebook at Ann Butters or at Red Ann Butters. You can reach me on Instagram at and the happy or you can just reach out by phone um i'm also on whatsapp for people that don't have um you know a cell phone or access to that so there's a lot of ways um i can help um guide with uh water nutrition breathing awakening pain um i can do group workshops there's a lot of opportunities i just really want a healthier home and a healthier environment for all well you're, you're an amazing person and i cannot thank you enough for being on the show i, I always enjoy talking to you and i i value your friendship more than you ever know <laughs> be nice to you bill i'm i'm trying every day <laughs> and butters thank you so much for being my guest and thank you all so much for listening to the manifesto with billy brew next week uh we've got uh i think kevin sellers he is a uh uh, he owns his own studio. It's a really, it's going to be a cool look in the behind the scenes of how do you record music and stuff like that. So anyway, thanks again for listening to the Manifesto with Billy Brute. We will see you next week.